eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and you're listening to the PowerCat Post Game Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to your Pittsburgh edition of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gilsgilbert here from a lovely Homewood Suites near the Pittsburgh airport following Kansas State's 48-31 victory over West Virginia on Saturday afternoon in Morgantown. A very strange game indeed. We'll get into all of that, but you know what you need to get into? You need to get in some Caddyshack golfware. That's what you need to do. Make sure... If you want something cool for Christmas, you let your significant other know about Caddy Shack Golf. Caddy with two T's, caddyshackgolf.com. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order, and they will get you hooked up with some sweet, sweet golfing willy stuff. And uh, speaking of uh, golfing, Ryan Gilbert, as we pivot now, uh, West Virginia took a swing at K-State. It, I, I got to admire... Mountaineers. I really do. They're having a horrible season. It hasn't gone as expected. Neil Brown um, is expected to be fired, if not this week, this after this game, after his last game next Saturday. Um, but they're playing for him. They're fighting. They're trying to win. They just beat Oklahoma in Morgantown. And then Kansas State jumps out to a 14-0 lead. And then... They come right back. They have a 26-yard touchdown pass. They end up um, getting in their own pick six, but it only ended up being six because then their field goal kicker, who has been reliable throughout his career, absolutely collapsed in this game, missed two extra points, missed a field goal. Um, but they turned this into a much more competitive game than I expected coming in and certainly expected after K-State goes up 14 to nothing with 11.51 left in the first quarter because of sincere mason's own 37 yard interception return how 
Gills, how baffling was this K-State defensive performance in the first quarter particularly, but the first half as a whole? It was surprising, especially you look at what happened last week with Baylor um, and just how dominant they've been this season. Certainly was was baffling, but I think a lot is to be said about West Virginia. You mentioned them going down 14-0 in a team that has won four games all year, could easily just check out and say, you know what, our season's pretty much over. You know, it's going to be a matter of time before our coach is gone as well. But, you know, they fought back and... You know, hats off to the Mountaineers that, you know, throughout the week and after the game, you know, Kleinman's mentioned just how, you know, talented of a football group that is. And obviously they didn't get the outcome they wanted. But I think a good thing for, for Will Howard in this game was to throw that pick six. And then suddenly he's yeah. only up by one point after such a hot start. You know, it's been just, you know, it's been glamorous for Howard when he's played this season for the most part when he's not dinged up. And for him to kind of face some adversity, I think that's what can build a quarterback's character. And we saw that, you know, Howard was able to, you know, respond and step up in a big way. Obviously, that first half was a little dicey on both sides of the ball at times. But, you know, uh, a good, you know, really, really solid second half for Kansas State. The first half, like I mentioned, could have been a lot better on defense. But defense stepped up in the second half as well. Yeah, it was it was amazing. K-State led 28-19 the end of the first quarter. The first quarter had 47 points in it. I did that's do my math right. I'm not, I'm not good at math, but that's a lot of points, isn't it? And then they outscored them 13-6 to six in the second to take a 41-25 to 25 lead at halftime. <clears throat> they went. They hit the over well early in the second quarter. Imagine betting the under. Yeah, I can't imagine what kind of idiot would have done that. But back to that interception by Will Howard. Um, he has been... <clears throat> Fitting the ball into very tight spaces all season long when he has played. This is only his fourth game. Um, and when we asked Deuce Vaughn last week after the Baylor win what Will does so well, he goes, he takes chances. So when you're taking chances, sometimes it's not going to work. And that's what that interception was. He he didn't uh, <clears throat> get it out to the receiver, was a little bit off target. That was a bad throw. It was a bad throw, and he admitted that. Yeah, and it was very interesting after the game, in the maturation process of Will Howard has just been incredible. That the former Will Howard <clears throat> probably would have let that impact him, probably would have carried it into the next possession, but he went to the sideline. Adrian Martinez talked to him. Coach Kleiman didn't even talk to him. We asked Coach Kleiman if, mm-hmm. if he talked to him, and he goes, "No, Will's Will's so mature and confident now. I'm not going to go over there and talk to him." <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I knew that he was fine, and he was. He comes right back out, leads K-State down the field for another score. The offense wasn't the problem. <clears throat> the offense at times was really dynamic. Now, did they pull in their horns a little bit in the second half? Yeah, I think they did. I think they realized that we need to run the clock, we need to keep the defense fresh, and it really paid off. I mean, after all those points in the first half, there were no points in the third quarter after K-State Made a nice defensive stand. West Virginia started the second half of the ball. It was a long drive. Drove down the field. Penalties and penalties, but kept overcoming it. And then K-State stopped them. And that was an encouraging sign after what how poorly they had played in the first half. And the fourth quarter, both teams scored a touchdown. But again, West Virginia goes for two and misses. So the, the second half point total was 7-6 to six after all those points in the first half, which is absolutely remarkable. Um you know, this is you look at the score and you see 48 31, and that's a football score. That makes sense. But then when you find out that West Virginia missed four point after conversions, you start to understand how kind of strange this game became 
during the course of the contest. Um, but I, I feel like this team right now is so much more, again, mature than it was earlier in the year. When they got into a tussle with Tulane, things weren't going well for them. They couldn't overcome that. They just couldn't find a way to to solve the problems they were facing. And, you know, then their other loss losses were to TCU, really good football team. And Texas just came out with a dominant half, but kind of a defensive performance like we saw in the first half. But this team was able to solve the problems. Now, honestly, a better team than West Virginia probably would have made this even more competitive. But, I, Gills, I think it's a really positive sign that this team, when not playing their best football, and uh, when my post-game grades come out, you'll find out that I thought it was very average overall as a performance, mm-hmm. that they overcame that. They still won comfortably. They got out of here with the win. They're 8-3 and three on the season. They're, what, 6-2 and two in the Big 12. They're one win away from playing for a Big 12 championship. This team's journey this season has been amazing. It really has. In K-State blows out Mizzou, what do they do next game, right? They right. get a home loss to Tulane. They blow out Oklahoma State. They follow that with a loss to Texas. And then last week they had a blowout victory, and they finally are kind of able to find that you know consistency that I think Chris Kleiman's been looking for, not just this season, but over the last couple of seasons. Maybe his Achilles heel is just getting his teams ready game in and game out. I think he's starting to find that winning formula, mm-hmm. I think, for Kansas State. It, it is of note that uh, you mentioned – Chris Kleiman there, and let's just mention this before we get into more of the game. This win triggered an, an automatic extension in his contract. He's now up to $4.3 million. People are going to come after him. I have no doubt in that. I don't see him leaving. I've said it. there's only one job I think he leaves for, and that's Iowa, and that's not going to be open. Um, but the year he was hired, he was one of four new coaches in the conference. Les Miles, gone. <laughs> Matt Wells, gone. Neil Brown, soon to be gone. And it, it was Neil Brown who was the other finalist for the K-State job. Now, you never know what he would have done here as sure. opposed to there. But I got to say, I I saw him use timeouts and do some things in this game that I don't understand. Um, I would have lost Time my Timeout at the end of the first half was it, awful. Yeah, he awful. was calling timeouts to try to get the ball back. And then they don't do anything. And he gives the ball right back to K-State at midfield. And they get a field goal. Um so Chris Kleiman is going to be the survivor of that four-man new coaching recruiting class in the Big 12 from from the start of the 2019 season. And he's proven everyone that he can not only survive, but he can thrive. He can coach. And we've seen this program get a little bit better, a little bit better. The COVID year, come on. I mean, yeah. that was just a mess. Yeah. I mean, Will Howard alone is the perfect definition of how different the COVID year is from – from then to now. Because, and Will Howard is why they played so many games that COVID season. Yeah. I mean, they kept playing games because they they barely had enough players or they decided not to declare the no contest. They went four and six. And I literally, for K-State, it's not true for everyone. Um, the way K-State handled that, I admire them. They, they, they could have ended the season four and four and no contest in the last two games, but they didn't. They played, including playing here. Um, and and losing that game, honestly, I don't remember that game. I mean, yep. everyone's after the post game was talking about that game. I remember Iowa State and Texas. That that's what I really remember from that season. The but, lows of that season. Yeah, yeah. The but what's of interest here is Will Howard's from the Philadelphia area, so this is a home game for him. This is the only game he can play where his family and relatives and friends can all comfortably 
come to the game, even though it's a four and a half hour drive. It's essentially, you know, being from Manhattan and playing at Oklahoma. And that's what it, what the drive is for them. He had a lot of friends and family in the stands. So I was really happy that Will played a good game because he did. He was really impressive throughout the game. And let's look at his final stat line here. And again, Will Howard has this amazing ability to look really good in the course of the game, be really efficient. But then you look at his stats, 19 of 27 with the interception. He did throw for 294. Um, His long was 43. And I believe that was um, probably the Malik Knowles. Yep, the Malik Knowles. Most of that was Malik Knowles making a move and running up the sideline. It wasn't a touchdown, though, was it? No, that one was. Okay. That was the The one that was missed by a yard. That's the one he got into. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But anyhow, um, good for Will Howard to come back here where he had one of his bad games as a true freshman. And people always seem to, like, forget that this kid shouldn't have been playing. I mean, because of the transition, there was quarterback attrition, and then Skyler gets hurt, and he has to play. He really was the only other choice at that point to play. Um, And he played okay at times and awful at other times. And it's all led up to this. That was was like uh, investments into what we're seeing now. And it was painful for him. It was painful for the fans. It was uh, ugly at times with how ugly the fans got to him. But here we are. It all kind of pays off as Will Howard just has turned into an incredible young quarterback. It's absolutely amazing to see. But I felt really good for him uh, talking to him in postgame about, Mm -hmm. you know, all his family was here and he played another good game. Singing Country Roads in the locker room. Yeah. That we overheard. But – they, you know, you mentioned it. I don't remember It wasn't that. good. It wasn't good singing. It was mediocre yeah. at best. I think Randon Platner was probably taking the lead, right? He's probably but. playing guitar. <laughs> I didn't remember that West Virginia game either from 2020. And I don't think a lot of fans, you know, we probably chose to forget that game. But clearly this team did not. You know, Howard mentioned that this was a game he had circled. And I think a couple other players had mentioned, you know, the, the importance of this game. And so to get that win, you know, for Howard is special and he made some professional throws today as he has done the last couple games he's played i mean you go to his throw to uh to ben sinnett Uh you know that was a probably a play where he could have ran it maybe jogged into the end zone and instead what does he do he decides to to pin the needle and and thread it in there and he gets a touchdown pass right i think that shows how confident he is in his arm because he had a a walk-in touchdown right in front of him but instead he decides to to show off that arm he had a few plays like that now I don't want to give Howard all the credit because Colin Klein did call a pretty good game. Yeah. There was quite a few occasions. K-State was just wide open, and I, you know, Carson Kaufman could have made a throw like that, right? But by and large, you know, Howard, you throw away that pick six, and he had a really good game. But at the same time, you know, against TCU, knock on wood, in the Big 12 championship or in the Sugar Bowl, one of these big games that could be coming up, you know, a pick six like that could be costly. Right. You know, one mistake from Howard, I think most fans can live with that because it comes with a, a great reward with some of those accurate, you know, gun-slinging passes. But when you have two, three mistakes, then it can really add up and honestly you lose you a game. So there's a fine line there, and Howard is, is riding it right now. Who knows how much longer he can do that. But for now, if he can make those accurate throws, because I don't think the accuracy was really the issue with his pick six. It was a a bad decision to make that right it was what his second third read and you know you throw that one in the dumpster I think K-State you know Will Howard's gonna move on from that but at the end of the day 
I mean, it's this, it's the Adrian Martinez dilemma. You know, you can't let one bad play turn into two, three, four, five bad plays like we've seen with Martinez in the past. I don't think Howard's going to do that, but there is still a possibility that that could happen. Interesting story about that touchdown to Ben Sennett when we talked to him in postgame. And it's so funny to see Ben Sennett out on the field. Um, he's a man. I mean, that's a you mean big Gronk. Yeah, baby Gronk. You know, Ben Gronk. It it <clears throat> he's big. He's impressive. And then he comes into post game, and he looks like a nineteen year old, twenty year old right? kid. He just <laughs> looks like he's baby faced, and it's it's unbelievable. But the same guy that does these physical feats on on the field. His hands too. He's got great hands. Oh, it's for how big he is. It's amazing how how focused in he is on on the catch process. Um, how fundamentally incredible he could put on a clinic. I mean, how to catch the ball. He's always got his hands positioned really well. But it was a broken down play. Will Howard's rolling out to his right. Ben Sennett is supposed to be in the center of the field. And he reads what's going on and comes back around, loops back around. And he's only got about, <clears throat> excuse me, half a step on his coverage guy. But he said Will and him locked eyes and he knew it was coming. And like you said, if Will decides to tuck and run, Ben just turns and screens off his guy and yep. there's no one there <clears throat> there was no one else on that side of the field it's an easy walk and touchdown will just zipped it right in there ah. his accuracy on so many of the balls he throws is, is absolutely incredible the, the mistake aside you might have had another play where it could have been intercepted but i think it was Cade warner competed for the ball and got it out of there um, and I hate to say this, but Martinez probably just walks it in for the touchdown, which there's nothing wrong with that. No. Because you're still scoring six points, but just the confidence that Howard has to make that throw speaks for itself. It's shocking how confident he is. And he's so confident he can make a mistake and say, ah, oh, hell with it. I'll just go out there and, you know, do it again. But you're right. I mean, if he gets into a big game and he makes that pick six, it probably won't be as easy to go back on the field and – light up the defense because West Virginia's defense was trash in the first half. <laughs> I mean, they really were. The only thing West Virginia on defense is really good with, they're good up front, and they did pressure him. I was surprised he postgame he only had one sack. I swear he had two or three, mm -hmm. but he yeah. must have got back to the line of scrimmage or something. But they were pressing him and forcing him, so I feel like this was a good step in the Will Howard growth process. It's He's always now, good when you learn from a win. <clears throat> right. He – he went out on the field, and he, he, he had some issues, and he overcame them. He didn't have a clean pocket most of the night. He, people were around him, making contact with him. He was running, and he still achieved what he needed to achieve to win the game. This was a significant step in the Will Howard growth process, maybe more so than how easy it looked in the first half against TCU, against Oklahoma State, or against Baylor. Yeah, and this was his first true game as a starter, quote unquote, starter with yeah. first team reps for a whole six, yep. you know, five days of practice, whatever. I mean, maybe in the back of some people's mind, that could be a bad thing because he might overthink, you know, some things too much. Because when you're a backup, how much pressure really is there throughout the week or even 15 minutes before the game? I would assume not much. So for him to, you know, have a full week of being the man and play a whole game as the man and, and still go out and play dominant like that, that obviously shows to just how much of a leader he is absolutely k-state wins here in uh well not here because we're in a whole different state they win at west virginia on saturday afternoon 48 31 to improve their record to eight and three on the season one step away from playing for a big 12 championship and we'll talk about that a few closing thoughts on the game 
as we look ahead to the path Kansas State football has at what could end up being a rather remarkable season. We'll be right back after a short break. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, the leaders in K-State sports coverage. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudika Uzama. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Sponsored by Caddy Shack Golf. Caddy with two Ts. CaddyShackGolf.com. Go check out their stuff. Got quarter zips. They got hoodies. They got all kinds of golf stuff. But they also have some really cool merchandise that you can get aside from apparel. Make sure you check it out. We appreciate Caddyshack for being our longtime sponsor of this podcast. I'm Tim Fitzgerald. Ryan Gilbert from Go Powercat is here with me as we recap Kansas State's 48-31 victory over West Virginia on Saturday afternoon at Milan Pushker Stadium. I prefer Mountaineer Field. I like Mountaineer Field, too. Um, it was an odd game as we covered it. Um, do you think they missed... Over the course of this game, the presence of Kobe Savage on the back end of the yeah. defense. And, of course, Kobe uh, tore his ACL last week. He's gone for the season. I'm, I'm worried about the impact of that, particularly when you know this. We don't know the severity of Sincere Mason's injury. Another safety who had the pick six early in the game and then left the field in the second half. Coach Kleiman said we'll probably not know till Monday on that. Um if they've lost both of those guys, they're going to have some serious issues in the back end of this defense. Yeah, there's no way around it. I mean, we can't sugarcoat it at all, really. Without Kobe Savage, you're going to need playmakers to step up. And in VJ Payne, I don't think played a, a good first half, but he stepped up, made some plays in the second half. Coach Kleiman was, you know, made some compliments on him stepping up in that game. But yeah, there's there's no way around it. That's where I was going to go about the defense. And they made some adjustments. They were able to kind of learn to play without him but for the first 30 minutes of that game they didn't know how to play without him it seems like and obviously it's just one player you know the defensive line is going to be stellar as always I don't think there's any concern besides Felix not um, hearing whistles I guess be blown but other you know other than that it's the secondary the cornerbacks are going to be fine and, and that's an issue that's I guess a position group I should say that's going to need some some tweaking I don't know if they adjust you know the whole defense just to cater to that spot but it, I don't know I don't want to put too much stock into one half of football because the second half was fine they they bended a little bit they didn't break and 
they they really did step up. I don't know if they changed anything schematically. I didn't see anything. Did you, Fitz? But. No, no. And Chris Kleiman said a big part of the problem was just tackling. Yeah. Um, yep. And they weren't getting guys down. Yeah, I did notice, though, that there was no safeties really attacking the runners at near the line of scrimmage. And that's something Kobe Savage does very well. And we also, you know, in the for to be honest here, Josh Hayes played his worst game as a Wildcat. He, he got torched pretty good in the first half. He was a step behind his receiver consistently, and I don't know if they had him doing other things um, in this game that he hasn't done in the past. But he seemed to be – West Virginia did a good job of isolating him, which I was shocked because he has been good this year that they decided to pick on him, and it worked. So maybe they exposed something for future opponents. That is worrisome. <clears throat> but overall, um, they came back in the second half and shut things down. Um, and you got to admit that Garrett Green, the quarterback, he brings something else to West Virginia that Daniels, their starter, doesn't. Um, and I, I guess Neil Brown will probably go into the unemployment line with a huge buyout, wondering what happens this season if he puts Green on the field sooner. Because yeah. they're a much more effective offense with his ability to run, and he's not advertised as a thrower. He was good. I mean, he 15 to 27. He had two picks um, that were significant, but um, you know, considering where this offense has been, I think he's going to regret not playing him earlier. Mm-hmm. But, K-State's defense, I mean, give them some credit. There was a half a football and a little bit more on tape of green. So right. there was not a whole lot to work with there. And they said they had scouted for both guys, but let's be honest, Fitz, when you have that little number of snaps, it might be tough to make some of those adjustments, and they did. But but Green was fine. I mean, I, I don't know if I want to give K-State, you know, I don't want to say that those interceptions were amazing plays. You know, the throw to Brents where he picked that one off was kind of just an overthrow. Um, Mason's I'd have to look at again. I don't know if that was a great an play. Underthrow, I think. So, yeah. you know, but by and large, Green was fine. And, you know, talking with Chris Anderson from our 24-7 site heading into this game, the offense, the wide receivers just didn't care. Like when when Daniels was in there, like they were just kind of jogging on routes. And then when Green was in there, you know, they played with a sense of urgency and wanted to, you know, play and win for that guy. So regardless of who might be the better quarterback, Green gives West Virginia a much higher ceiling. Let's mention some good things about defense. Brendan Mott. Wow. Look, West Virginia did a great job protecting Probably a lot of holding, but they kept Felix at bay most of the day. But Brendan Mott steps forward with a team high, eight tackles, I believe, and three sacks. He had three sacks in this game, and a lot of it was catching Green as he tried to scramble away, got him by the heels, got him down. Um, but Mott was huge in this game. It was impressive. That kid, you know, we talk about Ben Sennett yeah, getting better and better. Here's another kid that looks like a man on the field, walks into post game, you're like, who are you taking to prom? You know, I mean, he's, seriously, he's so young looking. Uh, but he was relentless in this game. And I I thought Daniel Green was fantastic at times. He, he had a great play on a fourth and one attempted sneak where he came over the top. He told me that they had scouted it perfectly. The yep. coaches, they had practiced that over the top play. It wasn't spontaneous. It was in the defensive game plan. And he knew – um, the snap count, they're pretty consistent. They want to get up there and snap it real fast. So he knew they were coming, and he timed it perfectly. He got over the top and, and hit green before he could go anywhere. Yeah. So there were game, some highlights. It had a lot of twists and turns in it, but that play from green was just huge. I mean, this was in the first quarter when it was still, I believe, a 14-13 game. 
if if West Virginia goes and gets that, maybe they score a touchdown. K State's in a hole. Maybe Howard pushes, and yep. you know, obviously, who knows what happens, but. <clears throat> I go back to that Baylor game last week. You know, K-State forces that pick after a pretty atrocious start on offense. And then on defense, they just let Baylor go right down the field. And then out of nowhere, a kind of a tip pass, a fluky play, falls in K-State's arms, and then they never looked back, right? And I think you can point to five or ten plays a game, but that's just one of them right there that if Green doesn't do that, maybe the game goes differently for Kansas State. Who knows? I agree. A couple other guys to point out from the stat sheet that had – Significant performances. How about DJ Giddens? 12 carries for 78 yards. He led K-State in rushing, not Deuce Vaughn. DJ Giddens, and part of that was a 49-yard touchdown run where he got loose down the sideline and just pulled away. He's really turning into a a really good running back. When you stop and consider K-State had nothing behind Deuce, to have DJ Giddens evolve this quickly um, during his redshirt freshman year is a positive sign for this this offense going forward. Uh, as I mentioned, Deuce was not the leading ball carry. He carried the ball 22 times uh, for 67 yards. He had a long of 15 yards, which was a touchdown run in which I think you could have scored on it. It was so perfectly designed. You des- could have too. I might have been able to. It was so perfectly designed and, and executed that he just had the whole side of the field open to him at one point. And the only guy that was out there to possibly tackle him was covering Cade Warner and was in man coverage with his back turned and Cade just ran him to the back of the end zone you could see Cade almost laughing that it worked so easily yeah the other guy I want to point out that we've been hard on in the past because he uh he hasn't always played well at times is Malik Knowles and he was significant in this game he had six catches for 111 yards that alone sounds awesome 77 of those 111 yards were after the catch Malik got the ball and turned it into something. And I think that's what Will does so exceptionally well. He doesn't just put the ball in the money. He puts the ball where the the receiver can then do something. And so often past Casey offenses, it's throw the ball out there, you get tackled. Throw the ball out there, you go out of bounds. Throw the ball out there, you might get five, six yards. He's putting it in positions where guys like Ben Sennett, Malik Doles, Phillip Brooks, Cade Warner can then do some Deuce Vaughn can do something with the ball after they catch. And that's Malik was really good. And you gotta be happy for Malik. He's he's had his struggles. He's he's wanted to get the ball more and now he's getting it ironically from the quarterback that nobody thought would get it to him. And K State's receiver group has kind of gotten a rep for being probably the worst on offense, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is fair, but Knowles has, you know, he stepped up big tonight and Cade Warner's got what like five or six touchdowns in the last four games or something like that. And, you know, Giddens, Vaughn, they have guys that can catch the football. Um, you know, Will Howard talked about it, just the number of guys that can can go out and make a play, whether that be on a deep ball or a five, ten yard pass and and then let them find some green grass and make a play just with their own legs when they have the football in their hands. But you mentioned how Giddens is stepping up. I mean, how badly does Deuce Vaughn just need a guy like that? Yeah. I, mean, I think Vaughn had three yards of carry tonight, which is not good. It's terrible for his standards, but that's just that's mediocre at best. And for, for Giddens, not only to just come in and, and provide a spark like that, but also to give Vaughn just some rest. I yeah. mean, he you do mention if Giddens isn't playing, I mean, I think Vaughn is going to get 90 95% of the carries, right? You might have a jet sweep here or there, but... Giddens stepping up is just huge for that room, and I don't think Vaughn's 100% right now. I mean, this point in the season, I think he's close to 100%, but 
he's he's clearly in need of a guy like Giddens to step yeah. up and Giddens had a career high in, in rushing attempts and yards against Baylor. I'd have to check the numbers on if he surpassed those tonight, but he's coming around the corner and if Vaughn gets up and leaves this year, if not next year, whenever that may be, I think you're obviously going to be disappointed, upset that Vaughn's gone. You're going to miss the heck out of him, but look at what Giddens is doing. Yeah. They're totally different backs. I get that, but he's proving that he can be a a respectable running back in the Big 12. He's almost the closer, too. <clears throat> he comes in late-game situations where they're trying to run out the clock. They need to get first downs. His big physical presence. Defense plus, is tired. Plus, he's fresher, Yeah, and he did it again. He picked up, I don't know how many of his carries were in the final minutes of this game, but it was three or four carries that were, you know, helped K-State just salt it away and, and get to the victory formation. So, another nice win for Kansas State. They, they haven't been good this season at stringing things together. You mentioned it earlier in the podcast. They get a win, they have a setback. They get a win, they have a setback. And now now they have an opportunity to make it three in a row. Kansas comes to town on Saturday. It's not just the Sunflower Showdown or the battle for John Brown's rifle. It is the 7 p.m. Fox National game. Who would have thought? I was shocked that they made the selection. I admire them for making the selection. It's very good for the programs, both K-State and KU. KU has had an historic season by their own measurements. They're 6-5 and five now, but nobody expected that for them to be bowl eligible. And they come to Manhattan with the opportunity to absolutely trash Kansas State's season. If Texas, excuse me, if Texas beats Baylor on Friday then K-State has to win this game to get to the Big 12 championship or Texas gets there. I feel like Kansas is going to be highly, highly motivated for that game, and this could be a real battle at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, but the Bill will be rocking next Saturday. It'll be rocking. And how lame was that crowd here? In Morgantown. It's, it's I asked to you see. up in the press box, I said, you know, how long has it been since K-State's had something like this? And before I was born, basically, was what you answered. Yeah. So, you know, I think that gives you just such an appreciation for how special. Yeah, we hear that all the time, and sometimes people overdo it, whatever. But what you never see a K-State football game, even against a, a team you've never heard of looking like that. And, yeah, the KU game's going to be huge. It's going to be rocking. And, obviously, there's, you know, traditionally, I think attendance is down when K-State plays over you know the Thanksgiving break students aren't there but I think it's going to be rocking you're not going to see an empty seat especially in that lower bowl and maybe not even in the upper deck yeah I'm I'm confident a lot of students will come back yeah they'll they'll, they'll make it back for the game um but yeah that the West Virginia crowd was sparse it's been bad this year and that's beside the record you know aside from the fact that they're now four and seven on the season they had a chance to get bowl eligible they won their last two but that didn't happen even in the last years of Snyder though it wasn't that bad no no their fans have just absolutely checked out and that's the biggest sign of trouble when the fans don't care enough to show up you got big issues and that's usually what pushes things over the edge Oddly enough, I don't think that pushed their AD over the edge, so they pushed him over the edge and fired him this week (laughs) because it sounds like he didn't want to make the move, and they said, well, okay, get out of here. Even though you're an award-winning AD that heads up a bunch of committees for the NCAA, you're out. We'll make your move for you. Yeah, you signed a horrible extension for this guy. You proved it. You're out. Um, But back to K-State. Is this team capable of beating Kansas? I say yes. But then going to Arlington the week after – there's no time off. I mean, you've got to turn right around and play a 13th game. 
and beating TCU, a team that just knows how to win, and they proved it again on Saturday. Yeah. You can think what you want about Vegas and all the lines that, that they have, but they were, what, favored by two, three against Baylor? Two and a half, yeah. Underdogs by seven last week to Texas. They're a beatable team, and yeah. obviously the numbers, the analytics, Vegas, all back that up. They are they don't play like an undefeated team. They are, and you've got to give them all the credit in the world for doing that, but it's a beatable beatable team. If K-State can stay healthier in that game in Fort Worth from a couple weeks ago, they there's a good chance they win that game, you know? Yeah. Um, and you just, the fact that K-State has played them. You know, they had this game against West Virginia circled from two years ago, right? I think they have games here and there that are always circled. And if you get the opportunity for a rematch against TCU, you know, that's absolutely going to be a game circled that all these guys care about. Obviously, you know, we got to give TCU, they're going to be locked in as well, right? That's not a team that's just going to, oh, we're ranked three or four in the nation, but we just won the Big 12. We don't care. No, they're going to be locked in. TCU, I would assume, controls their own destiny. I don't follow the, the college you know, national landscape as much as others, but if they win the Big 12, go undefeated, they're going to make it to the you know the playoff. I think K-State coaches, players, fans would love to be the the spoiler, right? We got spoiled. K-State got spoiled in, in 12 by Baylor, right? <clears throat> I think K-State would just love to spoil TCU. And there was some, some chippiness in that TCU game, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't down there. You and Cole and, and Gogo and, and Zach were all down there and just said that there were some issues with, you know, stuff being thrown on the field, right? And yeah, there was a lot of hostility. It's going to be a chippy game, yeah. you know, obviously knock on wood if that happens. But to, to, to piggyback back to your initial question, yes, K-State absolutely can beat TCU. It's not going to need to be some sort of miracle if they play in the Big 12 championship for a win. Yeah, K-State wraps up its season with Kansas, as mentioned, 7 p.m. next Saturday. TCU finishes up its regular season with Iowa State in Fort Worth, a 3 p.m. game um, for the Frogs. Could be a trap game. Well, I don't think it's a trap game in terms of wins and losses. I don't think Iowa State can outscore them. I, sure. But Iowa State is one of the more physical teams in this conference. They will defend TCU and maybe give K-State a blueprint how to shut down that offense mm-hmm. because the one thing Iowa State does that's elite, defense. They're, they're just the opposite on offense. They stink, <laughs> but they can't win any games because the offense is so bad. But they do defend at an extremely high level, and I think they could set the stage by helping K-State yeah. kind of wear down TCU a little bit and maybe show how to stop them. Yeah, even if Iowa State does win – Changes absolutely nothing, no, yeah, <laughs> right? But right. putting some stuff on tape for K-State certainly could help. Yep. Couldn't be a bad thing. Absolutely. That's it for this edition of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. I'll have a bonus episode again with Brian Hanley. We've done this throughout the season with road games, first because of technical issues, but now because, damn, K-State wins again on the road. They're 4-1 and one on the road in Big 12 games this season, and the one team they've lost to on the road – possibly likely maybe awaits them in two weeks in arlington we appreciate you listening to this edition of the podcast and make sure you listen to everything we record on your favorite podcast network provider and go check out our youtube channel get a hit that subscribe button there and follow us on youtube i'll have lots of walk and talks and daily deliveries brian gilbert thank you very much and thank you to caddy shack golf Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.
PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Thank you.